Have you ever been so focused on a problem? A problem maybe you created, didn't create, someone else created, that you find yourself anxious, drained of energy, and it's not like you can even control the situation. You may not be able to control anything about it, and yet you're losing sleep over it. Have you ever had trouble forgiving yourself or someone else? Have you ever felt that angst of, I cannot deal with this person, this situation anymore? If you've ever felt that, and we all have at some point, right? We've all struggled in our relationships, situations, interactions, in ways that just kind of take life from us. And so this conversation we're going to have today is about recognizing a changed heart. And what's interesting is recognizing having a changed heart directly impacts how we deal with those situations. Because those struggles, those challenges in life, they, they're going to pop up constantly, right? We may change jobs. We may change schools. We may be in different environments, but there are going to be individuals that pop up that make life a little difficult, that make us kind of go, oh, I can't take any more of, or situations that come our way. And it's like, do I have to deal with this again? And so what does it mean to be able to navigate those with a changed heart? And this term of a changed heart Jesus uses often. In fact, we get 22 references throughout Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in the book of Matthew, which we're going to be in today, Matthew, he, Jesus says it often. In fact, if we were to go to Matthew 3.8, it says, Produce fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives. There's a sense for Jesus that when we change our hearts, we begin to change our lives. We begin to change our responses when we are in difficult situations. We begin to be able to navigate relationships in a very different way when we have a changed heart. And so as we get into Matthew 15 today, take note of how he is engaging with, and we're going to have some Pharisee issues as we have talked about over the last couple of weeks, especially, where Jesus has got to help them understand, the disciples, to understand, even as the Pharisees keep coming at him, keep coming at his disciples, what does it mean to have a changed heart? What does that response to the situation begin to look like? So today we are going to start in Matthew 15, verses 1 through 2. Then Pharisees and legal experts came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why are your disciples breaking the elders' rules handed down to us? They don't ritually purify their hands by washing before they eat. <laughs> all right, so the Pharisees, legal experts, they're all about the rules. And they are all about following the rules exactly, or so it seems. And so here they show up, and if we notice, like, their mindset of the way that they use rules is like, okay, this is the way that we order our life. Why don't you do it exactly the same way as we do? So there's a sense here that these rules are for everyone. But here's also something interesting. 
they're saying this rule has been passed down through generations. Like it's part of the Torah. The Torah is part of the Hebrew Bible. It's the first five books. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And there are all kinds. There are hundreds of rules, hundreds of laws to follow. And what's important about that is we go, man, that's too many. That's kind of ridiculous. What we have to understand about the rules, about the laws, was that they were created as a way to give people guidance in how to help people connect to God and to one another. So like if we go back to the Ten Commandments, if we're reading through those, what you might notice about the Ten Commandments is it's all about how to be in relationship with God and with one another and how we can we need to be careful of breaking those relationships and that when we do certain things, those relationships can be broken. Like say, do not commit murder, right? That breaks a relationship. Do not covet, do not hold on to, do not want your neighbor's possessions because if you start doing that, things are going to get kind of hairy. Do not steal. If you want to make sure that somebody doesn't like you, steal from them. So when we're looking at the Ten Commandments, it's important to understand that the way those are ordered and the way that all the laws after, the rules after the Ten Commandments are ordered, is a way to say, here's how you can start to cultivate a relationship with God and with one another. Here is something to help you and guide you. Now, what's interesting about the one that the, the Pharisees pick about washing your hands, and I'm all about hygiene. I think we should be washing our hands all the time, and that's important, but this isn't about hygiene. And it's also not about a rule that's found in the Torah. It's one that gets passed on. The only indication we get of needing to wash hands is that the priests are in need of washing, of cleaning themselves before they enter the temple. And so what's happening here is the Pharisees are using a rule that in and of itself is just fine, but they're using it to hurt one another. They're using it to inflict pain. They're also using it to divide people out, to say, you're in, you're out. What you do is good. What you do is bad. A sense that the rules, instead of being a helpful guide, are using to being used to divide, are being hurled at one another. So the Pharisees are hurling this rule at the disciples and at Jesus. And Jesus is about to have a response for them. Verses 3 through 6. Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God by keeping the rules handed down to you? For God said, Honor your, mother, your father and your mother, and the person who speaks against father or mother will certainly be put to death. But you say, if you tell your mother or father everything I have expected to contribute to you, I am giving to God as a gift, then you don't have to honor your father. So you do away with God's law for the sake of the rules that have been handed down to you. All right, so Jesus responds, and it's really important to remember, Jesus generally responds differently than what has been thrown at him of what he's been accused of and here he highlights a law about honoring your father and your mother and it's kind of interesting because you go well wait a minute does he know something about the this group of pharisees does he know that they are actually not following that law but that's really not the discussion 
here, Jesus is highlighting, how are you picking and choosing? What are you going to follow? How are you going to order your life? And are you picking and choosing for everybody else as a weapon, as something to inflict pain, as to say, you're in, you're out, you're good enough, you're not good enough, you're acceptable, you're not acceptable. How are you picking and choosing the things that you follow? And so for ourselves, when we're thinking about that, right, we all have rules that we live by in life. We all have practices. We all have guides. And so do we understand what we have picked? Do we understand what we have chosen to follow? What rules that we're willing to engage in? And are those things connected to God or are they really not? You know, last week we talked about how the Pharisees are often critical and judgmental, how they are about separating out and throwing stones. And here, this throwing of stones at others is through the rules that they follow, that they are inflicting pain with the rules. And so as we're thinking about how we order our life, how the rules that we follow, do we ever go too far and start down that judgmental, critical path instead of understanding how rules can encourage and lift up and strengthen one another, that it can encourage us in our living and being instead of tearing us down. And so here, Jesus is trying to get them to really take a look at, well, what practices do you have? Are those practices, are those rules really connected to God? And when we're saying connected to God, are we talking about the God of grace and mercy, about forgiveness? Are we talking about the God of love? Are we talking about the God who keeps calling to us and challenging us and taking us in new and different ways into new possibilities and living? Are we talking about the God of healing? What are we talking about here? Or is it the God that we've created, the gods that we've created of comfort and my way is the only way, the God of self-righteousness, the God of if you don't do it like I do it, then you aren't good enough. And so here it's really Jesus is like trying to get them to take a step back and go, wait a minute, hold up. What are you thinking? And it's about to get, he's about to get really very clear and very pointed with them in verses 7 through 11. Hypocrites, Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human rules. Jesus called the crowd nearer and said to them, listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of the mouth that contaminates the person. All right, so here he gets pretty severe. He's like, hey, you're being a hypocrite. Like you are, you are throwing out rules and saying you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You got to do it this way, not that way. And he's like, and what are you following? that is of God to say, wait a minute, take a step back. Because when we're trying to have a changed heart, a changed heart comes from a place of recognizing, of saying, wait a minute, God has already forgiven. God has offered grace. God has offered love. God's offering us a new way of living and being not with just ourselves, but with everyone around us. And so how do I have a changed heart 
that my actions and my words reflect that way of living. And so he's saying, hey, guys, like Pharisees and legal experts, like you're not living it. You're just spouting off. And so he's trying to get them to do what we say, right? Mean what you say, say what you mean. Like, let's, let's be clear about this. And the recognition, we all struggle. We all struggle with following, even when we know, you know what, I really need to do this. I really need to follow these rules. I need to have these practices in life because they are life-giving. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect at it. But what does it mean for us when we think about it from a place of having a changed heart? That when we are living into, when our actions and our words begin to reflect a changed heart that is connected to God, that is connected to this healing presence that's connected to health and well-being, that's connected to how we are living with one another. And so here, Jesus is pushing them. Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of the mouth that contaminates the person. Here, he's sitting on the the laws about food. And he's like, hey, Pharisees, stop being so focused on whether or not somebody ate shrimp last night. Instead, let's focus on how our words are encouraging, how our actions are healing, how we are listening, how we are being guided by God instead of what makes us comfortable, what we want, how we want to control the situation. And this can be really difficult especially when we're in relationship or somebody's nearest, maybe it's a coworker that really just gets on our very last nerve. And so what does it mean to the way we respond to a person like that? Or we are find ourselves in a super, super stressful situation and we are going crazy. We don't know what's next, what's about to happen. We feel pulled and we feel exhausted and we can feel that anger kind of bubbling up. We can feel that desperation. How does our response change with our heart being changed? How does our response to situations in one another begin to shift? And we know this. We know that that shift happens. Think about it in these terms, right? When you are in a room and people start to laugh, like somebody tells a joke, it's a great joke, and one person starts to laugh and then others begin to chuckle, it almost becomes infectious. Same thing happens when we yawn, right? Like if I yawn, how many of you just yawned with me? All right? It's that moment of going, wait a minute, The way my heart is, the way that I respond actually changes not only what I am giving, but also what I will receive back. And so to recognize that what contaminates, what comes out of our mouth, what comes out of our actions, that if it's contaminated like with the Pharisees, that it begins to contaminate others. Maybe we've seen it with negativity, right? Somebody's complaining about, and everybody just kind of jumps on board with complaining about how dare this, I can't believe this happened. Same with positivity. Same with looking for beauty. Same with pointing out love. That once we begin to get in that pattern, in that practice, in that rule of saying, wait a minute, 
It says that I am supposed to produce fruit from a changed heart and life, that once we begin living into that, of saying, wait a minute, God, I need some help living a changed heart. Like I need a changed heart with, to pray that situation, to talk to God about that situation, begins to change then what comes out of our mouth, begins to change our thinking, begins to change our actions. And so now it ripples across. It begins to impact others, whether they really realize it or not. Continuing on in verses 12 through 14. Then the disciples came to him, came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended by what you said? Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be pulled up. Leave the Pharisees alone. They are blind people who are guides to blind people. But if a blind person leads another blind person, they will both fall into a ditch. All right. So the disciples are actually paying attention. They're like noticing. And Jesus is always trying to get them to pay attention to what's happening around them. And here they notice the Pharisees are now offended because Jesus was like, what are you focused upon? What are you choosing? Are you really choosing things, rules, guides that are connected to God? Or are you choosing practices that really, they're not helping. They're, in fact, disconnecting you from God and one another. And the disciples are like, they got offended. And Jesus is like, listen, that's going to happen. In fact, his words here about um, leave the Pharisees alone should actually remind us of some of the other teachings we've hit on recently about Jesus or that get mentioned where he's like, you know what? There's going to be a time where you've got to shake the dust off your sandals and you got to go in a different direction. There's a sense of, okay, they're not going to change. And you need to be careful how close you are getting to the Pharisees because the way that they are choosing to live permeates everyone around them. They're criticizing, they're judgmental, their rigidness on rules begins to permeate out and impact those around just as we were talking about right when there's laughter or yawning or just living a more positive like no wait a minute I am going to live into this kind of love that it begins to permeate out it begins to impact others and so Jesus is like listen they're not willing to change just leave them alone because Right? They are blind people who are guides to blind people, but if a blind person leads another blind person, they will both fall into a ditch. It's not going to go well. If you want to go down that path, it's going to take that energy. It's going to take that negativity. It's going to take all from you. And you go, where is God in any of this? And so here, Jesus is trying to remind them that there are times, there are boundaries where it's like, wait a minute i got to step back from this. doesn't mean they don't stop trying, they don't stop living, that when the Pharisees show up, they don't stop responding. But instead of going, wait a minute, I don't think that that's the life I want to live. Not in a judgmental kind of way, but saying, wait a minute, I've got to be focused on what a changed heart looks like. I've got to be focused upon where my life needs to be directed, what I need to be focused upon, because we're going to have those situations, just like we were talking about in the beginning of this, right? We are going to have those situations and challenges 
And the way that I respond in life, the way that I respond to the situations and people around begins to permeate out. And it's going to either give life or it's going to take life. It's going to encourage others or it's going to try to tear each other down. It is either going to keep us up at night or allow us to be at peace and to sleep. So when we're thinking about these things, when we're, we're kind of like struggling with them, I'm going, wait a minute, what does it mean? God, oh God, change my heart in this. Change my perspective. Change the way that I am living into. Change my words and my actions. Change my thought patterns. How can this be different? How can I come at it from a place like Jesus does? Finishing up in 15 through 20. Then Peter spoke up. Explain this riddle to us. Jesus said, don't you understand yet? Don't you know that everything that goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what goes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that's what contaminates a person in God's sight. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual sins, thefts, false testimonies, and insults. These contaminate a person in God's sight, but eating without washing hands doesn't contaminate God. It contaminate in God's sight. Okay, so Jesus is like, no, I'm talking about a changed heart, that it begins to reorder the way that we do things, that it begins to say, wait a minute, I do not need to be involved in. And maybe as I was reading through that list, you're like, I don't have any of those issues. Like, that's not my struggle. Here's the thing about that list. Out of the heart come evil thoughts. All right, this list is about things that disconnect us from God and one another, just like the Ten Commandments about how are we cultivating relationships with God and one another. If we are doing these things, if we are engaged in this list of things, we probably are not cultivating good, healthy relationships with God, with ourselves, and with one another. And so maybe on this list that gets mentioned, that gets rattled off in Matthew, we don't have any issues. But where do we struggle? Where do we struggle in our relationships with ourselves, with God, and one another. Where are those struggles? Where are those things that kind of like, we start down a path and it's like, oh, that did not go well. You ever have that self-hatred? You ever have that moment where it's like, I am never gonna be good enough? I just, I just bite it all of life. Man, what is my problem? And going, wait a minute, oh God, change my heart. Change my heart, oh God. We show up to work. Maybe we don't like being back in the office. Maybe we've been in the office and new coworkers have shown up and it's like, I just can't deal with them anymore. And we could go about not only making ourselves miserable, but making them miserable. What does it mean to go change my heart, oh God, in this? Change my heart, oh God, in how I respond, in how I understand the people in front of me, the people that make me anxious, the people that I don't like, the people I disagree with. Help change my heart, oh God, to see them in a new way, to see them in the way that Jesus did, to see them in the way that Jesus tries to teach us. Change my heart, oh God, in this situation. So here, we may not have issues with any of that list, 
But at some point, we have issues with other things that divide out, that create issues, that get us anxious and upset, that build that kind of anger that hurt us and pain us. And to remember that the rules, the laws, the practices were not meant to cause pain, but instead to help us to grow in connection with God and with one another, to help us to have healthier relationships, to cultivate that love, to be able to say, yes, I have been forgiven. Because this isn't a passage that's about forgiveness, about grace, about whether or not God loves us. This is about what happens next when we go, wait a minute, so God does love me, so God does give me grace, so God does forgive, God gives all of us mercy. Wait a minute, how does that begin to change my heart? How does that begin to change the way that I am responding in my life? The way that we live every single day. And so how will you be challenged by these words of Jesus? How does your heart need to change? What prayer do you need to be praying this day so that we might know that connection so much more deeply? We might be able to be built up and that even when we are in those difficult moments of life, we will know that God is with us. We will know that God is guiding us because our heart has been changed. Amen.